Hey listeners, welcome to the Intelligent Conversations, where we believe that everyone has a form of intelligence that resides within them. We invite guests from various backgrounds to share with you what makes them unique. Our hope is that you and I can learn and grow together. Without further ado, welcome to the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Intelligent Conversations podcast. Today I have the honor to speak with Brendan from Master Talk. Brendan is a communication coach and is also the founder of Master Talk, which works with people and companies to improve their communication skills. So Brendan, thank you for taking the time to come on today. But I like to start with this uh, opening question, and that is what motivated you to kind of like start master talk become a communication coach what got you into all that yeah for sure josh thanks for having me on man it's great to be here so what happened was when i was in college slash university i used to do these things called case competitions think of it like professional sports but for nerds so other guys my age were like playing rugby or baseball or basketball Mm -hmm. i wasn't really one of those guys so i did professional sports for nerds which was presentations that's what i did as a competition for many years And then as I got older, Josh, I started coaching a lot of the students on how to communicate their ideas to the world, mostly in comps and competitions. And that's what led to master talk because I accidentally, big word on accident, (laughs) by the way, I got really good at coaching other people how to speak. And everything that was in my head wasn't really available for free online. So I started making videos in my mom's basement and just turned into something I never thought it would. That's... Oh, man, like I, I know I've heard this before. So for like kind of the listeners that have been listening, we've been having some tech errors and I've been looking forward to having Brendan on. But uh, phenomenal story. Every time I hear it, it's like, oh, my gosh, that's that's incredible. But uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of actually relate on the competition side of things. It's like, I mean, you can kind of see in the back right here at basketball. I was probably one of those. I was probably one of those athletes. I was really into basketball, played a lot of that. But I didn't even know there was something that like presentation, like competitions, like how does one even find that? Like, I, I'm kind of interested. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Man. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with sports either. A lot, a lot of my best people had done sports. It just wasn't really my thing until maybe recently. But yeah, so case competitions, the reason you don't know about them, Josh, is it's a very, very small community. Like a lot of people hear about debate or hackathons or those things, but those are more widespread. Case competitions is actually only for business students. So you have to be in like an MBA program or you're doing a bachelor's in business school specifically at the university level or or at the college level or else you wouldn't Mm -hmm. hear about them. That's why the community is so tiny. So let's start with the first part. Why do these things exist? Okay, nothing fancy. They're a feeder school for job opportunities. What executives do, it, like Amazon, at companies like mm-hmm. them, they spend like tens of thousands of dollars. They sponsor these bad boys. And then what they do is they give students, let's say me and you're on the same team, yeah. a 20-page document. Oh, we're like 19 years old. Yeah. 20-page document. Then me and you have three hours to go through the entire document, come up with a solution, make financial statements, do numbers, make slides. And at the end of the three hours, we actually have to present the bloody solution to those executives. But we're like 20. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, that's what it is. And so the reason most of us did this was to get jobs. Because mm-hmm. the, what these executives do is they go, I like this kid. I like that kid. I like this kid. So most of my buddies got like three or four job offers out of university. That's that's cool. So it's like a it's a good opportunity to find jobs and like really get yourself into those high profile corporate jobs. Did you I, I want to ask this. Did you get an offer too when you were doing that? 
Oh yeah, you can ask me anything, man. Ask me, dude. Like I told you, I'm, I'm really open. It's kind of like the NBA draft, right? You know, like yeah. talent scouts go to D1 universities. They scout. This is the same sport, except it's a lot less competitive, and it's it's a lot more lucrative on an average basis. Because most people hit zero in basketball, and some people <laughs> hit big. Business, everyone hits above average, which is mm-hmm. the key. So yes, so that was the key, by the way, Josh. Let me make sure we're setting the context. I did not do case competitions to start Master Talk. Mm-hmm. I thought entrepreneurship was for losers <laughs> who couldn't get like quarter million dollar jobs at Goldman Sachs or at McKinsey mm-hmm. or at IBM. So I did get two job offers. The first one, and not I could have gotten more. It's because I didn't apply for more jobs. I just wanted to work at these two companies. Mm-hmm. So one was at Price Waterhouse Coopers, which is like a, a massive accounting firm in the world, and the second one is at IBM. So I worked as a management consultant at IBM, and I thought my life was set, which it was financially. Mm-hmm. I retired my mom and everything. But when I started working there, I made a, a big mistake, which is I thought money was the most important thing in life, and I was wrong. Hmm. The most important thing in life is time, right? And I realized I was spending my time in the wrong place. So when I had the idea for Master Talk, I cut my salary in half because I said, I want to spend more time doing this. And I quit my six-figure job and I started doing this. Wow. That's, again, phenomenal story. I think the time especially, I think that in my opinion, that's the most valuable thing, right? Like, I mean, I've had people close to me, right, that that's really emphasized this. I've had people with like cancer, things like that in my family. It's like, no, time, time's what life's all about, right? Like you only get, you don't even know, right? It's not even a set amount. It's like, all right, you get 60 years, figure it out type of thing. It's like, hey, you, you might have today or even 30 years or who knows how long type of thing. And I think especially on the time, that's something. I, I know how valuable that is. And I kind of want to ask this. It's how did you like get the idea for Master Talk then? Like what? I think the audience is kind of like, you just quit your job and just for like, what the heck, let's go for it. I feel like you had some kind of plan going into it. What, what was kind of the behind the scenes there? 100%, man. So what happened? In the last semester of university, I realized something that a lot of professional athletes realize. It just for me, it was on a smaller scale. So let's take the NBA as an mm-hmm. example because I see the basketball <laughs> in the back. The re- right? So what happens when you're, when you're LeBron James and you're, you're almost out of retirement? Everyone's screaming your name now. Mm-hmm. But in five years, nobody cares who you are. Exactly. They just move on to the next star. So in the same way, I felt that too in my last degree. Because I was the guy. I was the case competition king. I coached so many people. I'm like the Michael Jordan nobody gives a shit about. That's like how I call myself. So like I had coached so many students, like 50 to 70 people to win international competitions in Serbia and London and Singapore, even if nobody knew who I was. But even if I initially did these case competitions to get money and to get a job, Dosh, I unintentionally developed an, an obsessive passion for them. But I realized that the game was running its course. Mm-hmm. Because the only thing left – because you can't compete anymore after you graduate from school. The only thing left to do is to become a coach, and I wasn't satisfied with that. So I had to find a new game. So what happened was in the last three months of university, I don't know, maybe Faith, some lucky star, (laughs) fell on my lap. And it was through a student I had coached, and he asked me the most brilliant question that completely changed my life. And the question was, how did you learn how to speak? And I just looked at him and I said, what do you mean? How did I learn how to speak? I mean, well, Brendan, mm-hmm. you've won all these competitions. You've done all this. Good. How did you learn how to speak? Like, did you have a coach? Did you watch YouTube videos? And I, was, and I looked at him. Honestly, I didn't have money. So I said, no, I just learned. 
They go, what do you mean you just learned? Like, did you watch on YouTube? And they kept pushing on this mm-hmm. YouTube thing. I was like, what, what do you mean by YouTube? Just, do people watch YouTube videos on communication? And then they go, well, I mean, don't didn't you? Like, didn't you hire a coach? So Aziz actually put that seed in my mind. And I said, huh. So I went online. And I knew they existed, but I never really spent much time on it. Because I was so focused on getting that job mm-hmm. at IBM. So it was really 30 days after I'd landed that job and my offer, my future was secure, that I started thinking about other things. And then I wanted the internet, and I started watching a lot of the YouTube videos on communication, and I was horrified by what I saw. It's like, all these videos are dog shit. <laughs> like, it's like, you have communication coaches who are supposed to be great speakers, who are not speaking well on camera. So I just found so many logical inconsistencies in their game, watching their hours for three hours, four hours, that I got so frustrated that I said, I know I can beat these clowns. <laughs> and then later, the vision evolved into, I feel a lot of communication in my industry, and we all make a lot of money. I'm not going to hide it. But I felt the difference was, even if you're making good money as a coach, you need to help the world. Mm-hmm. So I thought about the 15-year-old Elon Musk who couldn't afford a coach. What the hell are we doing for that person? And I realized I was the only human being on earth who was thinking that way. And that's what pushed me to take it more seriously. So, yeah, I had a plan for sure to exit. That's, again, oh, my gosh. And especially on the YouTube part of things, it's kind of funny that you were just like, ah, oh, what the heck? Like, And then when you actually looked and were like, oh, my gosh, these communication coaches just are terrible. And that's usually what kind of like gets people to like go in. It's either they see someone like... Right. My little brother watches a lot of Mr. Beast or whatever. He looks at it and he's like, oh, that'd be kind of cool. I want to do something like that. They either look for a look at YouTubers like, hey, that's inspiring. Or they look like you and they're like, I could beat this clown. And like just kind of that competitive just edge that all of us have. It's just like, nah, I'm going to beat you. Like, I'm going to show you what's up type of thing. And I think that's competitiveness is something I think we kind of relate on. It's yeah, man, like to build on that. I think I think people are just wired different in life. Right, like there's this guy in a documentary. I forgot what his name was, but he like climbed this really big mountain, this rock without any rope. Mm-hmm. It's called free soloing, and he said it so well in the documentary. He said, "Me and my girlfriend are built different." He said his his girlfriend it likes gets happiness from spending time with her family and going shopping and enjoying restaurants, whereas him was like the only thing I could think about for ten years is there's no way in hell I'm going to climb this rock. But what if I did? Exactly. What what lies on the other side of that rock? So people are just, you know, they're wired different. Like this is great show that, in my opinion, is the greatest show of all time will always be for the rest of my life. It's a show that you might have listened to given the title of your podcast called Death Note. Hmm. And Death Note tells a story. And if you haven't, you have to, like, especially you, <laughs> you would get a kick out of it. Have you watched I, I it? I haven't. No. What's, what's that kind of about? Right, so Death Note. Don't watch the stupid movie on Netflix, but I meant the original okay. kind of Death Note series that's Japanese, it, but you could watch it in English. It's about a kid named Light Yagami who's one of the best students in Japan. Guy's super handsome. He's one of the he's one he's literally the number one ranked student in the country. Smart as shit. He can get any job he wants, but there's one problem with his life, and the problem is is that he's extremely bored with life. He's super bored. Like he knows he's going to make it. He knows he's going to be successful and he just doesn't get a kick out of it because there's no competition. He's the number one student. He's super smart. He's super successful. He's handsome. And then one day he's staring outside of his bored classroom session and he sees a notebook falling out of the sky and then he notices it with the little side of his eye. And then he goes outside. I'm, I'm just spoiling episode it's okay. one. <laughs> 
And, and then he walks out and he finds this notebook. And the notebook is entitled Death Note. And he opens the notebook and there's a sentence at the top of the, of the notebook. And it says, whoever's name you write in the Death Note shall die. And then the guy laughs and he goes, it's not real. And basically he realizes a few minutes after that the Death Note is actually real. So what does he do with it? He goes on a quest to kill every bad person in the world and become the god of the new world. Oh, wow. So it's super fascinating. Oh. And the reason I've always related to Light Yagami, who's the main character of the story, Josh, I'm not going to kill anybody <laughs> in my life. But the reason I like Death Note is it's a story about a guy who's really bored and who's only trying to fight boredom. And I feel that's me in many ways, where Master Talk is more an expression of how do I do something cool with my life? No, that's – I actually have to – when you were telling us uh, kind of what Death Note's about and all that, I actually it kind of brought me back to my high school days. I was sitting in the classroom, bored out of my flipping mind type of thing, right? It's like, oh my gosh, this sucks type of thing. And similar to, I don't know, maybe maybe this is just me with an ego, right? It's just like, eh, I can do this. And I got to the, I got it got so bad that I was, just, I just got to the point where I was like, I'm not gonna do this, right? And I just didn't turn anything in. So <laughs> I ended up like. Like I, the funny thing is, is, I was taking like AP, like college level courses in high school, but it was just like I just got so bored in them. I'm just like, yeah, whatever. Like I just didn't do the assignments, and then it kind of bugged some people. They're like, why are you even taking this class if you're not even gonna like try or whatever? And I'm just like, dude, like there's no interest, and I didn't see like a point in like doing it. Sometimes I was like, why am I doing this if there's no like purpose for me to use it tomorrow or something like that? It's like. It's like me trying to teach you like, hey, you want to be an NBA all-star? Here, I'm going to show you how to do it right now. It's like, there's just no point, right? Whereas you are an expert. Like everyone has their own expertises and are just good at certain things. And in my opinion, I think school should actually encourage creativity, if I'm being honest. Because instead of just memorization, I just uh, did not like it. But uh, yeah, that's a... It's a fascinating story, but uh, so the YouTube space, I I kind of want to get a little bit more about that. I think a lot of you know kids, right? They're starting their careers, starting their lives, and YouTube seems to just be in the back of their head. You've kind of you're like you said, you're really successful on the YouTube end of things. What's kind of your advice for people starting and getting into that space? Yeah, man. I mean, success is a big word. I mean, Beast hit 100 million yesterday. I was watching the live stream. Super happy for him. But the the point I want to drive is YouTube, like anything in life, is not for everyone, right? Like, I'm not meant to be the next Kobe Bryant, and that's okay, yeah. right? And and Patrick Bed David says it so well. He says, in life, success is all about capacity. We all have capacity to do something in life a certain level of talent, and then the rest is just output and hard work. And if you have the talent and the output, you're just unbeatable. If you have one or the other, it's not enough. If you just have the talent, you only make it so far, like Shaquille O'Neal, like yeah. you still do really well, but you know, you'll still eat donuts in the off season. You won't get to the next. But if you're like, you know, Muxy Bose, who's like the shortest basketball mm -hmm. player in the history of the NBA or whatever, how you pronounce his name, he had some capacity it's just enough to make it into the NBA, and he maximized the whole capacity. So I think YouTube is the same thing. A lot of people see the YouTube, the flex, all that fun stuff, but they don't see how hard it actually is. Like it took me two and a half years just to get to 10000 and I invested $25,000 of my own money to make my YouTube channel successful.
So the whole idea that YouTube is going to make you a bunch of money is just not true. Like for me, the most important thing with YouTube is you need to have a 10-year vision. Mm. And the reason I say 10 years is because YouTube channels take an extremely long period of time to, to mature. So for me, the reason I was able to stay consistent was because – and even if I was getting 50 views, 25 views, is because I really felt in my heart of hearts – that the channels who had hundreds of thousands of subscribers on communication just weren't as good as I was. I just knew it because there wasn't enough empathy. They didn't have the right style. Like I could point out 20 things. And obviously they're colleagues of mine today, so they're more friends now. But I, when I started it, that was definitely the that mentality, that hustle that I had. And you need to have that conviction. Because the only person who's going to believe in their channel at the beginning is you. The third thing that I'll say is it's not about a thousand subscribers. It's about a thousand conversations. Think about the conversation that we're having now, Josh. We don't need to have it anymore. You know, I don't have to put in my career, and I, I don't say that to be condescending. I just say that to prove a point. I don't need to do it anymore. Like, I could just live off my clients and not do any interviews and only go on the super, super big shows that I've been on in my life. So, why do I do this? Because this is more important than you pressing subscribe. Making Josh Baker an incredible raving fan, being super empathetic when his tech isn't working right, instead of just getting screwed, I'll just go to the next interview, is actually what builds raving fans. Because what I told myself when I started the YouTube channel, because I knew a lot of people weren't going to watch me, because it's public speaking tips. But what I did know is that if I built a one-on-one rapport, with a thousand people or even 10,000 people, even if it takes 10,000 podcasts to get to 10,000 subscribers, I was willing to do it because I cared so much about the pod. Obviously, it took 700 podcasts. It didn't take 10,000. But the point I want to drive is because I do this, when you leave this call for the rest of your life, Josh, when somebody says the word communication, you're not going to say Dale Carnegie. You're going to say my name. Right, And that's what matters. It's not about the sale. It's not about the money. It's about what is Josh Baker going to say? I, not even about the audience. What is Josh going to say outside of this conversation? And that's and most people don't think about distribution enough. That's why they lose on no, I Especially on the part where you said word of mouth especially is critical. I think that's – if you're not focused on that, then you really just – no matter what you do, you're not going to be successful in your career. That's just something I, I found myself and it's, it's kind of funny. You mentioned that, that, Oh, Josh is going to talk about how I'm the guy to go for communication that I interviewed a guy back. Uh, can't remember the exact date, but it was about finance. And someone came to me one day and we were just talking, you know, money, just everyday things. And I was like, Oh, I interviewed this guy like a couple months back. And, uh, Mark Willis, he's great guy. He knows his stuff. He's awesome. Right. And I, it's, it's those individual conversations you have with other people because then they talk about you if you're really good at what you do. And I, I'll be sure to mention you every time when we come to communication. No, I, so I, I want to ask this though. I remember reading something that public speaking is the number one fear in the United States at least, right? Which still boggles my mind. I, what, like what the crap, right? And I mean, I used to be fearful like of public speaking when I was like a little kid, like they would put me up in church and stuff and I'd be like, I'll just start crying and stuff. And then now I'm here doing a podcast. It's like, never thought I'd go down that road, but okay, type of thing. But kind of on the public speaking side, like how do you get over that fear of like public speaking and just, you know, that fear that kind of holds people back? 
Absolutely, Josh. So, so let's start with this since we're on intelligent conversation. So, so let's start with the root cause, which is why does the fear of communication even exist? All right? Why is it even there? Because I've thought about this question a lot, and I feel I have a good answer now. Not at the beginning, but I do now. Let's think about it, Josh. Where do we learn how to speak? The answer is the education system, right? Yeah, I mean, you said it earlier, how it doesn't instill creativity. I agree, but it's actually more than that. It's, they teach you how to be a factory worker. That's basically what the education system is. But there's three main problems with all the presentations because that's where it starts. When you're 10, you're 11, you're 12, you're giving these presentations at school. Three issues. One, all of those presentations are mandatory. So you don't wake up one morning and say, hey, Josh, you want to get breakfast and present all day? Says nobody ever, right? So that's one. Two, all of those presentations are different and you never get to pick the topic. So it's never, hey, Josh, what are you passionate about? Do you like basketball? Do you want to talk about your favorite basketball player? Do you want to talk about your favorite team? And we're all going to clap for you. That's how it works. One class, you got to talk about Shakespearean poetry. And then after you're done messing up that presentation, you have to go into the Renaissance. Mm -hmm. You don't get to pick. That's problem numero dos. And then number three, which is the worst of all, every presentation is tied to a punishment. <laughs> what in the world? Who invented this? So if you don't do a great job, not only do you suck, but you also get punished for the crappy work that you delivered. So what does that mean? If 100% of all of your presentations are mandatory, they're all different, and they're tied to a punishment, what do you grow up believing? You grow up believing that communication is a chore, and nobody wants to get better at doing the dishes. That's why the fear of communication exists. But now the question becomes, why don't you have that fear in basketball? Because you go back to your childhood, all the memories you have of basketball are positive. You're playing hoops. With your friends, you're watching games with your dad or your parents or whatever. So when you grow up, you grow up loving it. Whereas every memory you have of communication is negative. No, I, I think you're totally right there. I think, I mean, I've never thought about it in that way too, especially the punishment end of things, right? Like you get, all right, we're going to dock you and this is going to ruin your future if you don't like get this right. And I, I totally agree. And I, I almost would say that self-discovery i mean everyone kind of has that like ego in them if we discover it on our own like me right i discovered basketball and i went outside like hey what are you guys doing type of thing it's like shooting some hoops oh how do you play type of thing and then you just start doing it oh you're kind of good right you keep doing it you keep going down that path and then you end up you know developing like you said that passion and whereas school right you mentioned it's mandated you have to present you have to learn it's a critical skill which I'm not going to disagree. It is a critical skill to have kind of how you were saying the way they go about it and actually implementing it and encouraging people to public speak is not the most effective way. And I think that only brings it up naturally. Like how, how do we implement it then? How do we help people naturally want to, you know, public speak? Right. That's absolutely the right follow-up question to ask. So now what do we do? Don't worry, I have a solution. It's not like a TED Talk, right? I start the problem, I just leave. So, so the solution is actually really simple. And then we'll get into the tactics. The first part is to dream. I know that sounds esoteric, but the reason I say that is because a lot of us dream about many things we want in life. Our vacations, the houses we want to buy, the Bugattis that we want to get. Every little thing of our life that we desire, we dream about it first. When was the last time we dreamed about our communication skills? The answer is never. Yeah. 
right? Because all of the languaging, to your point, everyone says that every time on a podcast, the number one fear in the world is communication. I was like, okay, well, if you say that, we're not going to get better. Yeah, at it, exactly. Right? <laughs> all right. And, and for you, it's fine. But I meant like other communication experts say that. And I was like, guys, <laughs> yeah, sure. You might be right. But is this helping people? Whereas for me, the question is rather more empowering. How would your life change if you're an exceptional communicator? Have we ever thought about that? Because communication is not about just presenting at work or at school and getting good grades and pleasing our teacher and getting the next promotion. It's the way that we talk to our families, mm -hmm. Josh. It's the way that we host a podcast. It's the way that we travel and meet strangers and become lifelong friends. It's the way that we order food at a restaurant and make that waiter's life a little less shittier because everyone else is rude to that waiter that day. It's every microtransaction of our life. It's every moment of our life. And when we realize that communication is about leading a more fulfilling life, that is when we start to take it more seriously. So that's what I would start with. Because a lot of people, Josh, when they hear this question, their immediate gut reaction is that question's cute. <laughs> oh, I like it. Yeah, how would my life change if I was an exceptional communicator? And 10% of your audience, 5%, maybe even 1% will go, you know what? Let me spend 15 minutes and think about this question. Because for all of us, communication is important. But the reason why it's important is different mm -hmm. for all of us. So for you, it might be to be a better yes. podcast host. But for me, it won't because I don't care about podcast hosting. I'm not a podcast host, but it'll be better YouTuber. But somebody who's listening to this podcast who doesn't want to do what we're doing is I want to be a better mother for my children. Figure out what that reason is, and that's what starts the journey. That's a good answer. And again, I don't think anyone, anyone else really comes up with that, right? You're the only one that actually presents that in a – yeah, I think you're the only one that actually has shared that idea out there and – I think, again, asking that question like to yourself is one of the most important things. I think if you ask questions, I mean, this is just, I guess, general life advice. But if you ask questions regarding anything like, hey, why am I actually doing this? Or, hey, how will this help me be a better communicator? Hey, how can I? That actually is how you improve, <laughs> right? Even though sometimes we don't like the answers like, oh, I'm a horrible communicator. I can't. I can't communicate my ideas in a clear freaking way right that's the starting point right and it's kind of coming to those terms of hey let's work on this or even like you said the mother oh i want to improve my communication skills so i can have a better relationship with my children or the business owner out there that's like oh i need to communicate so my employees don't freaking hate me type of thing right and they actually understand what it is that is we're trying to get done the goals the objectives but uh that's a, an important thing. I think asking questions is something a lot of us could do that. Self-awareness, that's the word I'm looking for, is important. And that's something I think a lot of people could develop. But uh, I'm looking at time here. I don't want to take any more of your <laughs> time. I know you're probably getting a little worried. But uh, I, again, I know that the value of time and we all have places to be and all, all, right, all good man. keep asking how, who, who do you work with then like just on a day-to-day -day basis then like just people come to you and say hey i want to improve my communication skills or just they find you on youtube and are like hey i want to this guy's awesome he has some things i've never thought about before what's kind of how people you know find you and stuff yeah i would say these days josh 90 percent of the business is word of mouth mm -hmm. where it's like executives i've worked with 
who just vouch for other people. Just go. They basically break their arm and say, "You got to join this guy's thing if you want to get a result." Because as you can tell, I'm not. I'm not. The, I'm not a nice guy when I do coaching. But I think the key is, and this is more of a lesson for the audience, is one thing that's helped me a lot in business. Besides my amazing business partners in his forties, who's really helped mm-hmm. me kind of structure my mindset and get everything. I think the best coaches have coaches. So I, I have tons of coaches who help me. But I think the key is the answer I had to figure out was not who needed communication because everyone does. The better question to ask was who will, is willing to pay money for it. That's a very different audience. So for example, everyone needs communication. Yeah. Everyone's listening to this. You and me, I need to get better too. There's always levels for my game as well. But the key is – even if all of us need it, not everyone wants to pay for it. So now the next question becomes that I, it took me years to answer, but I'm kind of summarizing it in, in a few minute sentences here, is what type of people are willing to invest in their communication? And it's generally people who can make more money than what they spend on the coach. Mm-hmm. And usually whose people's time is more valuable than their money. So these are people who already make money. So I would say it's, it's three different types of people. And I'm still expanding on this too, but I would say these are the big three. First one is the technology professional. They usually do around 150 to 200 grand a year. They're doing really well in their career. They're coders or software engineers. So they, they make good money, but they can't become vice presidents without communication. They cannot be in leadership positions without comms, but they've never worked on it their whole life because most of their life has been coding Java, C++, mm-hmm. JavaScript, all that stuff. And I know that niche well because I used to be in tech. So that's actually my, the main driver. The second one is the PhD scientist who's the CEO of a company. They spent 10 years in in their thesis, five years doing heavy research. So they're super detail-oriented. But when they're going to start a company, they just can't inspire people to work for them. So that person spending a few thousand dollars on somebody like me is like chump change because they can deduct it off their business and the ROI is massive. So that's second. And the third type of person is usually the coach. So somebody else who's a coach, but not coaching communication. They might be a career coach. They might be a life coach. They might be a a fitness coach. And those people invest too because if I tweak their sales calls, if I tweak the way they communicate, they'll triple their sales and then they'll recommend me to everyone else. So those are the three niches I focus on. Thank you for like kind of breaking that down. When you mentioned the uh, software engineers, my, my dad's actually a software engineer and it's kind of... Yeah, so I, I'm familiar with that space, and it's, I, I by all means, I'm not an expert. <laughs> no, he's doing, no, but I understand like some of the language just because I've grown up around that. But when he he was uh, starting out his career when I was like little kid and stuff, he actually went back to school and got his MBA be- and like took communication courts how how to actually like be a leader because he realized like I'm really good at what I do. In fact, I'm probably better than most people, but he kind of lacked that. And he's like, I'm going to head down this row. And now he's actually managing other because he can communicate to those guys because he understands like, hey, I know where you guys are coming from. And I know where supervisors are coming from. The business. Exactly. Correct. But uh, yeah, so that's again, I think that's important. And you kind of touched on that as well. But uh I guess I, I want to ask the intelligent question today, and forgive me, this is probably horrible, but uh, what can people do today, right? Like small change that they can make today 
they'll help improve their communication skills just a little bit, right? I know some people go out for that massive change, like I'm going to change today type of thing. What's like one small thing you would say that could kind of help them out and like improve their communication skills? Simple, brother. Make a list of people that you love and ask yourself a simple question. When was the last time you sent them a video message? Mm -hmm. 20 seconds. When was the last time you sent them a 20-second video message just to tell them how much you care about them, how much you appreciate them? And when we make that list, we'll realize for most of us listening to podcasts, the answer is zero. Zero. We've never sent one once. Be the person who does. It really makes people's day. Every time I said that on a podcast, people text me on Instagram. One girl in particular, she said, oh, after I listened to that, I sent it to my grandparents. It really made their day because I never visit my grandparents. And I thought that was super powerful. That's the easy thing. Don't overthink it. Don't try and rehearse the video. Just open the bloody camera, send it to them, and see what happens. That's it. There we go. That's the intelligent answer of the day. That was awesome. No, I think, especially in the digital age today, it's so easy, right? And even just like a FaceTime call too, right? Just do that. I don't know. The video, To your point, the video is probably more helpful because then you can actually look back on it and say, oh, why did I do this? Why did I... I actually kind of enjoy video because you can look back on it and say, oh, I can do this better. I can do that better. And it gives you something to actually measure yourself and see how you can improve. But uh, Brendan, today's been great. You've you've been awesome. But if people want to reach out to you, get a hold of you, learn from you, right? What's the best way they can find you, reach out to you, get a hold of you? Absolutely, man. It's such a pleasure to be on. Thanks for having me, man. So two easy ways to keep in touch. The first one is the YouTube channel which is master talk in one word. You'll have access to hundreds of free videos there. And then the second way is I do a free training on communication over Zoom every few weeks or so. And for those of you who want to go to that, it's free, it's live, it's interactive. It's not some boring webinar. I facilitate it myself. All you have to do is go to rockstarcommunicator.com. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I, I probably my, myself might go check that out. I, I know I always... Learning never stops. That's something I'm learning. Isn't that ironic, right? Um, so everyone, that is Brendan from Master Talk. As you can tell, he's a very intelligent person, has great things to say. He dropped his information there for you guys, and you guys can, if you want to improve your communication skills, I would challenge you guys to do that. Stay tuned till next week. We have a great guest lined up for you guys. See you guys next week, and let's get after it. Hey everyone, if you liked this episode and would like to hear more, be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button. We release a new episode every Wednesday for you guys to listen to. Thank you guys so much for the support that you give. We could not have done this without you guys. If you would like to be a potential guest on the show, check out intelligentconvos.com and fill out the form there. Thank you guys again, and let's get after it.